0: tom mullen talks freedom hello everyone and welcome back to tom mullen talks freedom today i'm joined by angela mccardle angela currently chairs the national libertarian party and the libertarian party of los angeles county angela is a member of the mises caucus and also a two-time congressional candidate for california's 34th district She's worked in litigation for over 10 years with a focus on property rights and constitutional law. And she joins me now coming off her election victory to become the chair of the National Libertarian Party. Angela, congratulations on your win and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you and thanks for having me.
0: Before we get into some of the issues with the Libertarian Party and where you'd like to see it go, maybe you could just talk a little bit about your experience, your involvement with the party in the years before this latest election, and what made you want to get involved with the National Committee?
1: Sure. So I got really involved in the party in 2016. I'd been sort of following from the sidelines prior to that, you know checking the L box when I voted, but not super engaged. And uh, I just started going to social events and meetups in my area. And of course that led to me being asked to run for Congress in a special election in the district that I lived in. And after that, I just was really inspired to get more involved because there were not very many resources for candidates. It seemed like there was an, a lot of potential some really good stuff that could be made out of the party, but it was just not happening. So you know, right now I also chair the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County. I'm on my uh, way out of that as I pass the reins on to the person who's gonna come after me. I've been California's uh, Libertarian Party state level secretary, and I've served on their executive committee as an at-large member. Been really active at the local and state level, and so now I'm finally at the national level.
0: I would think that libertarian is a hard sell in Los Angeles County. Did you have a vibrant party establishment there or was it somewhat sleepy?
1: That's a good question. So obviously the political climate in LA is pretty hostile to libertarians, but there's 11 million people in the county. So that also means there's a ton of libertarians. So we have a really large liberty community in LA. We've got I don't know, maybe eight or nine meetups that happen for people socially and for political activism across the county. We've got a couple of candidates elected. We do have some libertarian incumbents, just not as many as people would hope. And we've been really active in the past year opposing California, specifically LA's vaccine mandates. That's what we have been really championing. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see an outpouring of support from angelinos in in favor of our initiative to overturn mandates and not just libertarians we've had progressives we've had conservatives people who are independent people from all backgrounds have have really rallied and supported us and and appreciated the work we've done so la's political climate and it's it's weird it's usually hostile but occasionally they really come there and they come through for us
0: interesting and What made you want to move on from just being involved in California and go after this chair for the national committee?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, I was really happy with L.A. County and I'm going to miss working with them so much because they're just one of my favorite groups of people. But when the national party failed to come out against the lockdowns. They didn't rebuke any of that. They didn't provide any messaging or, you know, they did nothing for an entire year. They didn't speak out when we were all locked down. I just thought this is unacceptable. Someone's got to lead the charge to reform the party at the national level. And I think it's going to be me. So that's what got me really excited, motivated to get active at the national level.
0: Why do you think it is that in probably the most I don't know, this probably was the greatest opportunity for a libertarian party to stand up. Because as far as civil liberties, at least post civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s, I can't imagine a cause that the libertarian party would, it would be teed up for any better. So, what do you think was wrong up there and why did they miss the mark so
1: much? This was our moment and we absolutely just whiffed the ball. Swing and miss. So I know that one of the former members of the LNC, that's the Libertarian National Committee, said that we should, quote unquote, stay in our lane. And what that tells me is that people were just really terrified to speak out on such, what they thought was a controversial topic When people were very emotional and feeling sensitive because people are dying, you know, like there's a big germ scare. And they just felt that we weren't strong enough to speak out against it. I really feel that a lot of the more mainstream libertarians, beltway libertarians is is what a lot of people call them, are suffering from a lack of self-esteem, that they don't feel confident in their libertarian principles. Usually when they talk about libertarianism, it's sort of taking an apologetic tone It's almost like they're trying to persuade people while acknowledging that they don't like us and, you know, like, oh, please don't hate me. You know, I just, I'm a libertarian, but please don't hate me. We don't lead with principle. So I think that that has been a real problem for the party and and something that we're trying to turn around because you definitely didn't see principle shining through for that entire year-long period of silence.
0: Yeah, I have to say that I was relatively happy with the Joe Jorgensen campaign, but I think... I had come to have low expectations, and that's nothing against her. But I thought compared to the Gary Johnson-Bill Weld ticket or the Bob Barr ticket back in 2008, That, okay, at least we ran a libertarian and she seems to understand the philosophy and she generally doesn't say things that contradict our principles completely like, well, did so many times, but you're right that we certainly missed this golden opportunity when you say stay in our lane, I mean, this is our lane but I really haven't heard the explanation that it's a lack of confidence. That's really interesting because I think what we've heard from some of the people in the caucus is that these are more progressive kind of libertarians and that they're not really true libertarians. It doesn't sound like you see it that way.
1: Well, I do. I think it can be both, right? How do you end up at that point sometimes? How do you stray so far from libertarianism? You get pushed off course because you're self-conscious about what people think of you. You're nervous. And some of it is just, I think, people who came into the party who didn't completely share our ideals. But I do think a lot of it is that they're nervous. They're not bold. They're very afraid of what people think. And they're very desperate for the Libertarian Party to be accepted by mainstream culture and mainstream news media. And that's completely unrealistic. (laughs) And more to the point, like, if you really want to be accepted by a large group of people, you should probably go out and meet their needs. Because there was a large group of people in the United States who were suffering and rejected mandates. And they were just crying out for someone to lead them on this like crusade to reclaim their personal liberties. We didn't do that. So I do think that it's a self-esteem issue, but it's definitely a progressivism issue too. And there have been a lot of allegations about progressives sort of infiltrating the party. I'm super happy if progressives start to adopt free market principles. I think that's great. But until they adopt the rest of the party's platform, they don't really belong in leadership positions in our organization. I'm happy for them to vote for us, but they should not be driving the bus at any point.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's, to your point, too, been a lot of ink spilled on the fact that the last two campaigns got more votes than libertarians have traditionally got or a higher percentage of the vote. We're talking here going from one and a half to maybe two or three percent. But yeah, it matters why those people voted for you. If you trick them into thinking, well, we're just another progressive party, then I don't think you're accomplishing much. So I definitely appreciate that. So as a full disclosure for everyone listening, and if you haven't guessed already from previous episodes, I am a member of the Libertarian Party, but talk a little bit about the Mises Caucus, how it was formed, and are you actually a member of the Mises Caucus? I am. Okay. What's it about, and does it have a platform?
1: We do have a platform, so you can read everything. You can catch up fully on what we're about at lpmesescaucus.com, but there are three, really four things that we're very passionate about. One, Austrian economics. That should be obvious because we're named after Ludwig von Mises, one of the best Austrian economists ever. And then we're very passionate about issue coalitions, things like lockdowns, drug decriminalization, defend of the guard, anti-war legislation. We really like to push those things at the state and local level and open up lines of communication with groups that are not necessarily libertarian, but where we might have some common interest. And we're also very passionate about local elections, we think that starting the, the groundwork at the grassroots level and building political capital and, and getting some experience is really important. And I can tell you firsthand from someone who lived in a blue state with a tyrannical governor. If you're in one of those little cities or counties that says, no, no, we we're not doing that, we're going to defy the governor's orders, that really means a lot. Like you can you could have some semblance of normalcy, even if your governor is crazy. And then the, the third and final thing that we're really passionate about on our platform, or fourth, I guess you'd say, is internal party reform. And that's how I got elected. Like We care very much about reforming the Libertarian Party, getting it back to the founding principles, you know, making our founders like David Nolan proud, and really integrating the party with the broader liberty movement, because the party has not been very welcoming to the liberty movement at large. And so we have really taken it upon us to take that feedback, take it on the chin say you're right, and course correct. So that's a little bit about about the caucus. I am definitely a member, and I will stay a member. I have resigned my positions of leadership just because that could be a, a conflict, and I don't want to have any legal issues going forward. So as soon as I was elected, I had to take myself off the board
0: the board of the caucus so that you could be kind of an impartial chair
1: yeah we have a political action committee and and Michael Heiss is the chairman and he does a fantastic job but but I sat on the board of directors for that and I also chaired a California state level Mises PAC which I also had to step down from
0: let's take a short break for this important message Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist Spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. True. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible hand. Something no politician understands. Just leave it up to surprise What you said about being in a jurisdiction within a blue state, I'm in New York. I'm actually in Western New York, Niagara County, which is deep, deep red. It's like Trump camp here during election season. And not that that's necessarily a very libertarian either, but I can tell you that the last mask mandate, our county mayor, who's like the county executive, just put out a statement saying, we're not gonna enforce this. And actually all the counties around Erie So Western New York has eight counties and seven of them are heavily Republican. And Erie County, where I was born, the city of Buffalo, is is very deep blue Democratic. And even within Erie County, we had town supervisors publicly stating they weren't going to enforce some of the COVID restrictions or vaccine mandates So it does very much matter locally in a crisis like that. What are some of the things that people can do if they do get elected town supervisor when there isn't a pandemic and tyrannical government like we saw in the last two years? What kind of difference can a libertarian make as a town supervisor?
1: There's all kinds of great stuff you can do. So you can work on reducing or eliminating some of the local taxes that you have and Cities will have all kinds of weird little taxes, right? Like a half a percent on water, a utility tax, uh, extra sales tax. You can start to scale that stuff down. Uh, Sometimes there's additional property tax stuff. And we're lucky in California that we're shielded from some of the worst property taxes. Believe it or not, we have this thing called Prop 13. But for other states, uh, definitely look into that. You can work on zoning barriers. If there are zoning regulations that are making life a living hell for small business owners or for people who want to build, here's a common one that we get in California. You want to build a little mother-in-law dwelling in your backyard. That's illegal. So a lot of local officials have worked to repeal that law or reform it, make it easier. Parking tickets, all kinds of little things like that, that impact people who are low income. You can work to reduce the cost of those. You can make it easier for people to pay the opportunities are endless. And oh, union reform, working on the budget, that is, that can be really, really powerful work. If you expose money being wasted at the local level, and you're able to dial it back, people will love you.
0: Well, yeah, I think that being in New York, you're in California, we're some of the worst states for that. But libertarians everywhere, that's probably where you want to start, because it's very hard to win a national election or even a seat in the unhallowed halls of Congress. But that is coming up this year. What kinds of messaging do you plan on from the party at the national level? I I got to imagine inflation is going to be something and the Federal Reserve, is that going to be front and center?
1: Yes. So we are going to be talking about inflation. We are going to be talking about Bitcoin. I don't want to uh, reveal my hand, but we have some really exciting stuff coming up with that and, and the Federal Reserve. And we're going to also be talking about war and entangling alliances with like things like NATO, because I think the average layperson doesn't really understand that. And when it comes to the Ukraine Russia situation, people are understandably very sympathetic to people in Ukraine who don't want to be in war. And, you know, they don't want to be overtaken by Russia, but they don't really understand everything that happened leading up to it and how NATO was very aggressive. And, you know, like there's so many geopolitical things going on. We want to break that down for people so that they can understand it easily and take a more critical approach to foreign policy.
0: It just seems to me, and I read the magazine that the party put out. In fact, it's laying on the floor over here, LP News, Reno, the convention edition. So The two policies that they wrote about in there were legalizing prostitution and open borders. And I know the borders issue is controversial and there's room for some debate on that one, but I gotta think that if you make inflation a central issue and have something different to say about it than the Republicans or the Democrats, that could get some attention. As much as I agree with legalizing prostitution, as a libertarian, of course, I don't want that to be against the law, but I'm not going to get tens of millions of votes on that issue because those tens of millions of people are trying to pay their gas bill, and they're just not worried about that right now, as unfair as it might be. So uh, I, for one, am voting for the inflation message. Not that I don't take advice from me, but that's, that's where my vote comes.
1: De- definitely. We're putting that front and center. I mean, sure, we want to see sex work and actions between consenting adults decriminalized. But right now, the national conversation is really centering around inflation and the fact that people can't afford to fill up their gas tank, that single mothers are like they're at the grocery store wondering, what am I going to buy? If you're already low income to the point that you can only buy store brand food and you depend on sales and you're an aggressive coupon clipper, this is not a good time for you financially.
0: Yeah, and it's so frustrating for me that all of this pain we're going through, and I'm worried that we're going to go through much worse before we get better Most of this still goes back to the lockdowns and this new war in Ukraine, which whatever you think of Vladimir Putin would not have occurred, as you said, without all of the aggressive actions by NATO overthrowing their government twice in eight or 10 years and doing everything they could to get Russia's naval base away from them there in Crimea. Again, that doesn't necessarily justify an invasion, but it's not like this would have happened without any of that. I still hear people saying, well, this is because of COVID. And I want to say, no, it's not because of COVID. It's because of the government. (laughs) Is there any hope of selling that message? And do you think you can do it with a more aggressive stance or is it hopeless?
1: I think it's totally possible. And we're going to lean on foreign policy experts like Scott Horton, who are obviously very welcome and beloved in the party. And I I would also like to incorporate some resources from many of our talented members, infographics, short videos. So that the information is out there, but it's also interesting because what you can't do is launch into a 30 minute lecture about NATO. You're not going to catch most people's attention with that. As as valuable as the information is, you've got to present it in a way that's palatable and exciting and engaging to the average person. And that's one of the things that I'm just like really committed to reforming in the party is our ability to do effective outreach.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're quirky and, hey, look, we're just as progressive as you or we're just as conservative as you has worked. I think we could all agree on that. If people have heard something interesting here, how do they get more involved with the Libertarian Party and or the Mises Caucus?
1: So if you want to join the National Party, which I would love for you to do, you can go to LP.org and join there. If you want to get connected with your state or county level party, definitely go to lpmesiscaucus.com. Get involved in the caucus. And they're really good about being able to connect you pretty quickly to the people that you need to get in touch with to get active at the local level.
0: All right. Well, we'll link to all that here. And want to wish you the best of luck. I'm looking forward to good things from the party. And, hey, we've got nowhere to go with up. And best of luck with your new job.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right, friends. That's going to do it for today. Don't forget that if you haven't already, check out my Patreon at patreon.com/slash/tommullentalksfreedom. There's all kinds of additional content there, including my online courses. The first of which has already been uploaded, and a lot more to come. So that's patreon.com/slash/tommullentalksfreedom. Also, if you haven't downloaded a free copy of my ebook. It's the Fed Stupid, then just go to it's itsthefedstupid.com and download a free copy for yourself. It's also available in paperback at that link. And finally, if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening.
1: The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.